0: If you would, please open with me to first Corinthians chapter 12. I know what's going on here. First Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to return next week to our study in the gospel of, of Matthew. Uh, but this morning, as we close out, we have closed out 2022 and we're getting to 2023. I would like to just focus on what the Lord would have to say in this, this chapter of first Corinthians, first Corinthians chapter 12. I want to get through the whole thing. We'll see. Uh, Again, we broke from our study on, on our pre-Christmas Eve service. I don't know what to call that. We call it a thousand different things. It's not Christmas Eve service because no one wants to be there on Christmas Eve. But pre-Christmas Eve, we get ice storms. And so it's just, anyways, we broke from there and we, t- we talked about the gift of, of Jesus, salvation, the gift of Jesus, kind of a Christmas theme there. The gift of Jesus, he's our salvation. And then on Christmas day, I had that pre-recording for you all. and, And I spoke about the gift of the Holy spirit that we are sealed with the Holy spirit. And then uh, as, as we head into the new year, I, I want to remind you and encourage you because my own heart needs this, uh, that you are not only been, have been gifted as a believer with salvation. You've not only been gifted and sealed by the Holy spirit, but the actual God has actually gifted you with spiritual gifts. You are a gifted church. You've been gifted by God. And I'm praying this year that you would walk powerfully and that in what he has called, he's called you to accomplish for his will and his glory and your joy. Amen. Amen. And so in verse one of first Corinthians 12, Paul begins by saying now concerning spiritual gift or spirituals, brother, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. Now, without getting into the weeds on all of this this morning, the church in Corinth was a very uh, spiritually gifted, so to speak, church. Uh, They were but the problem was they were operating in an ignorant and uninformed way. And they were often misusing their gifts. And, and I, I don't know how many of you know, have like really talented kids maybe. And they're you're like, what are you doing? You know, what's going on in that direction? I see, you know, some i have talked to parents and things like that. And just like, I cannot believe the talent they have. And, and they're kind of misusing what they've been given all that kind of stuff. Uh, but what was happening is there was some confusion among them about their spiritual gifts and how to use them and, and and the spirit in which they were to be used. And so there was just a lack of maturity, a lack of understanding. And and I'm not, I'm not projecting that on us. That's what's happening in, in, in this, in this chapter here. And, and this all came about, perhaps uh, it was introduced by false teachers who are around there, but, but, probably more so through just ignorance and immaturity. And how many of us can relate with ignorance and immaturity regarding uh, life? Anyone you've been living life a little bit and you're maybe a little bit ignorant about things. You're like, Oh, I didn't know that. I'm 50. I should know that or whatever it might be. Um, Or just immaturity. You know, there's things we should be growing up in, but we we haven't. And, 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 And I'm not saying that's what's going on in our church but I would say that there's a general misunderstanding and an ignorance regarding the spiritual gifts that God has given to us as believers. And so we can probably relate somewhat on that side of things. And so what has happening here in Corinth is that the spiritual gifts that the Lord has given the people in that church, in that fellowship were being abused and misused and, and misdirected. And that's, that's part of the problem. He, he, listen, first Corinthians, is like a, a really corrective book. The whole thing is about dealing with things that went wrong. Okay. And then he has to do a whole nother one, second Corinthians. And so there's just a, there's a lot of teaching, but I mean, you know, I, I think like, you know, some people need more help than others. Amen. I, I tend to be one of those people. Uh, and so there has to be a lot of letters written <laughs> to help, help walk through stuff. And so Paul as a good shepherd is writing here in, in chapter 12 and 13 and 14, by the way, to clear up some of their misunderstanding regarding spiritual gifts. And in doing so, what happens is we glean some amazing, absolutely amazing insights into the purpose that God intended for the gifts, uh, the context in which the spiritual gifts that God has given us as a church are to be used and also the heart in which they're supposed to be exercised. Some really important things there. And I think this is key as we move into from 2022 to 2023, because I'm praying for me personally, but I'm praying for the church. More importantly, that you are empowered and equipped to exercise your gift that God has given you in in a way that exalts him. and, And is for your joy in doing that. You are going to experience joy. And I just want you to have his joy as you walk in what he's given you. And so, and so to know God's purpose in, in gifting you and and how he has actually gifted you and the context in which he's designed for you to experience and exercise and grow in that gift. And not only that, the manner in which you're supposed to use it is all important. And in this chapter helps us to begin to look at this. And so in verse one, Paul begins by saying to the church concerning spiritual gifts or spirituals. I don't want you to be ignorant and uninformed. And one of the keys we must look at, if you're looking at, if you're taking notes this morning to over, uh, we must overcome this year as we look at using and developing and having an understanding of our spiritual gifts that God has given us is, is our ignorance regarding spiritual gifts. I think that's the gateway. You begin to say, I really don't understand this. I don't know. And I think that's a good place to start. Many of us have been Christians for a long time. and, And maybe we know deeply about the gospel, but we might not know about certain aspects of what God has given us in his kingdom. That's okay. We all have a place to grow. And I think this is an area that we can grow in as a church, the spiritual gifts given to us by God. And Paul says here, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be uninformed as some of your translations say regarding spiritual gifts. And so obviously there's actually some confusion here regarding the spiritual gifts that they had. And he wants them to become more informed in what's going on. And so Paul starts off in verse two and says, you know, that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, uh, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed and no one can say Jesus is is Lord except in the Holy spirit. Now, Paul starts off with something very important for us. He's just kind of giving a a, a banner over spiritual gifting. And this, he does this in a certain way. Paul starts off by reminding of them, them of their past deception. Listen, before you came to Jesus, you were deceived and you were walking in deception. You walked in a lack of truth and that led you to the worship of a false God, false idols. And so that's important. That's the nature of the old path you were on. But while what Paul is saying here to counter that, he says, don't walk in ignorance. I don't want you to be uninformed. Don't continue to walk in the ways you used to walk who you are and how that worked out and your old false religious system that has nothing to do with what God has now gifted you. And it's different. Don't mix the two together is, is, is one way of saying it. I'm putting words in Paul's mouth, but mouth, but there's a giant context here. And I'm not going to be able to have a chance to get into all of it. But what Paul is saying is don't walk in ignorance. Now there was a tendency for that because apparently uh, there were people in the church saying that they were under the influence of the Holy spirit. Hey, I'm gifted by God. I'm a prophet in the church and I'm speaking on behalf of God. And I've got a word from the Lord and it is Jesus is accursed. And Everybody's going on. How do I square the two? Well, obviously they're under the spirit. So what does this mean? And and so, you know, they're just jumping to the, uh, the, conclusion and what, what that could have been a prophetic word, or it could have been tongues in the context here with an interpretation that was wacky or weird. And so Paul was just saying, Hey, listen right now off the bat. And this is important for us to know at the very top of our file of understanding about the spiritual gifts, this is just write this down is the spirit is, is if you are operating in the genuine gifts of the spirit, they will always operate in truth and lead you to glorify God. They will always operate in truth. According to truth. Well, what is truth? The word of God, it's not going to go against what the word of God says and whatever, and however it is operated, it will glorify God. Amen. Amen. That's how, you know, a a gift is really operating is that it's lined up with what the word of God already says, and it brings glory to God. Amen. And that means kind of like, wait a second. I don't know what brings glory to God. Amen. I'm ignorant in that area. Anybody else? So we need to learn. We need to grow about the nature and character of God. And that's why we're together. And we study and all these things. So number one, any gift gift that you have, it has to operate according to truth and it has, and it will glorify God. Now you might go, well, then I don't even want to step out into those waters because I don't want to be an heir. Well, that's why God has given you some mature people around you to help you. Amen. Amen. How many of you got on your bike the first time and rode it? You prodigies. (laughs) No, you didn't but you grew in it. And that's the point there. So put that at the top of your list about your spiritual gifts. They're, they're going to operate to biblical truth and they will glorify God. That will help you weed out the weird, right? will help you weed out the weird. Cause there's a lot of weird. And after clearing that most important thing up, Paul goes in now to teach them about the nature of the gifts that God has given the church. And I know there's, there's those who say the gifts are gone and all this type of stuff. That's not my discussion this morning. I believe that they operate today. I don't think we have apostles today, but I think that God still has the gifts and he can use them. However He wants. That's my personal stance. If you disagree, that's wonderful. We can talk afterwards. But so he says in verse four, now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit and there are a variety of services, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all and everyone. Listen, he wants to teach us about the nature that God gives us. And in doing so, he's trying to connect us with something we know. And he uses three words to describe the spiritual gifts and he uses three words to describe God. And in those words, it describes the diversity of it and yet the unity of both. So what are three words to describe God? Spirit, Lord, God. They're all, they are three distinct words and yet they are one. Does that make sense? And he uses three different words to describe the gifts, gifts, service activities, and yet they're different. And yet they are one. And that's his point is that there's unity and diversity, both in God and the gifts that he gives. There's unity and diversity in, in God and the gifts that he gives. And that's his template. Paul wants believers to know that just as God is diverse, that he is the spirit. He is the Lord And he is God. And by the way, as you go through this chapter, you cannot, I mean, if you are a Jehovah's witness, or if you are a person who denies the deity of Jesus Christ or the, or the deity of the Holy spirit, you are in trouble in this chapter because he, you cannot separate the two. It is all over the place. They are together. And that's the point here. And and so while God is diverse, he is spirit, Lord God, yet he is one. And we see that taught in scripture. So two are the gifts that he gives us. They are distinct. They are diverse, yet they come from one source from God. And although they are diverse, they ultimately serve to bless one purpose, to edify the church, to edify the body of Christ. That's why God has gifted us. So that's important to know, not only that the gifts operate in truth and according to God, they will glorify God, but also that there are many gifts You know, there are many gifts, like 31 flavors of gifts, more than that. Okay. There are many gifts, yet all those different gifts, they all serve one purpose. That's important to know. And this is what Paul says in verse seven. And I would underline some words in in this verse to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good to Matt is given the manifestation of the spirit and no one else. Is that what it says? What does it say? Each. Who's in each? What's the context? Unbelievers? Who's he talking to? Believers, the church. To each is given the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. So many gifts with one intended target the common good, the body of Christ. But also notice verse 7 says that each is given. Each means each in the Greek. It's kind of interesting, Uh, but it's given to you. Every believer. Have you believed upon Jesus Christ? Guess what? You are an each. Each has been given the manifestation of the spirit. Not only is he sealed you, but he has gifted you. You are a gifted believer. That's what happens. They are a package deal. You receive the spirit when you're born again. And so too, the spirit gifts you in Christ Jesus for his glory and his purposes. If you are born again, a believer, you have been gifted by God. Do you know that about yourself? How many of you don't feel that way? Well, Paul gets into that too. So each one of us is gifted and the purpose is for what to draw attention to yourself. No, you guys are very discerning. It's really good. What's, what's the purpose? The purpose is for who, for you or for what? The common good. You have been gifted for us. I have been gifted for you. You You've been gifted for me. We have been gifted for one another. Isn't that awesome? And by the way, as a side note, if, if you're just kind of a, a nerdy student of the word of God here, which is awesome. If you look at chapter 12, just as a side note to each of us uh, to teach us here, Paul uses a template. If you look in verses seven through 11, if you can just write this down, cause it's not a major point, but it's the template I'm using. Cause that's the template he uses in verses seven through 11. He's going to use the spirit to Ill- illustrate the gifts. In verses 11 through 26, Paul uses Christ to explain the context that the gifts are used. And then in verse 28 through 31, which we might not get to, Paul shows us how God the father gives gifted leaders to the church. Pretty interesting. Spirit, Lord, God, the father, diversity, yet unity to all explain one concept. It's beautiful how this works. So just to let you know, that's, that's how I'm, I'm, I'm navigating here. So verse seven says to each is given the manifestation of the spirit. And now in verse eight, Paul lays out the various spiritual gifts. This is not an exhaustive list. There's others in other places, but here's just a flavor. And he says for one verse eight to one is given through the spirit, the utterance of wisdom and to another, the utterance of knowledge. according to that same spirit, now notice the repetition, the same spirit, same spirit to another faith, by the same spirit to another gifts of healing by the one spirit to another, the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits to another, various kinds of tongues to another, the interpretation of tongues. And so there's all this list right here that Paul just kind of just drops on you. It's not exhaustive. He says, Hey, here's some of the gifts of the spirit. And notice it's not by a different spirit. It's by the same spirit. And here's the main point, And I'm not going to get into what each one of these are. I have another teaching on that. You can go back. When I teach to the church, I go exhaustively through the gifts of the spirit, but the main point is verse 11. All these are empowered by one in the same spirit who appoints to each one individually, as he wills very important thing. Underline verse 11, very important to know about your spiritual gifts. Not only does God, does, uh, does God serve the purpose of, of giving you a gift according to truth and they will glorify God. But here's another important point. Just as you did not choose your physical characteristics, this is not a, you did not choose your DNA or your sex, gender, whatever you want to call it. So too, you do not get to choose your spiritual gifting. This is a sovereign act of God. He chooses the gift that he wants you to have. Isn't that strange? He chooses it. It's his choice. It's as he wills. Look at there. We read the list of some of these gifts in verses eight and 10. And we must realize that you don't get to say which ones you get. Yet some people do. (laughs) That's dangerous. Uh, You know, I'm going to be a prophet or I'm going to be a healer or I am going to be all these things. I'm going to be a person who works miracles. Oh, are you now? Oh, are you really? Because who chooses that? What does it say there? Verse 11 says that the empowering of these gifts is at the hand of who it comes by what by who whom the spirit it's the spirit who empowers. He energizes. He creates dynamite. I think probably the root where there is dynamite is power to your gift. So have you ever tried to operate your kitchen blender without it being plugged in? Yes, you have. it. what happens. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> it doesn't work. Power tools that are, have plugs. I know we've got batteries, but take the battery out. What happens? There is no power. There is nothing to it. The Holy spirit empowers get the gifts that he gives. And this is important because you can't manufacture that power. I can't manufacture that power. I can't pretend that I have that power. It is not my power. He is the catalyst. He's the power. Believe me, you don't want your power behind the gifts. You want his power, spiritual dynamic power, empowering you in the gifts that God has given you. This is why we need to be cautious when it comes to gifts, because in a desire to do what God has not gifted you or called you to do, there can be a tendency for us to covet things and then pretend that we are something and develop a facade around that, you know, to manufacture the power. And what happens is you're not operating according to truth. When that happens, you're not, Operating in the Spirit, there is no substitute for the real thing. Okay, so that's that's kind of a warning there. The Spirit empowers the gift, and and, and so you got to know that. Write that down about my my gift. You're saying the gift that God's given me, the Holy Spirit must empower it. The Holy Spirit is the source of power. Not only that, does the Spirit empower the gift? What does it say there that He appoints? He chooses. The gift that you give, He sovereignly chooses which gift you receive, and just so you know, He says according to His will, <laughs> He appoints according to His will. Whose will? The Spirit's will. Doesn't it say God's will. Doesn't it say Jesus's will. It says according to what? Is His will. Wait, I thought God gave the gifts. Oh, He does. In the other verses, I thought Jesus gives a verse. Oh, he does. He uh, gives, gives the gifts. Yes, he does. They're all one and the same. But the Spirit empowers the gifts. He chooses what you get. He appoints, again, to whom? Each one. Isn't that just awesome? Think about that right now. If you've received the Lord, He's already thought you out, He's already customized your gifts or gifts. You're not limited to one. Sometimes he blesses you differently. Isn't that just awesome? You're a custom gifted person. Now, right. You might be saying, isn't that awesome, man? I, you got to believe that about God. I'm not trying to stir you up. That is truth. You have been gifted by the spirit of God. It says there, he's given it to each one according to his will, his will. And each one is repeated several times in other places. Each one is gifted. Can't help. it. It's by the nature of the relationship. You are gifted. Now, how many of you go, Oh, that's awesome. And, and I don't need to worry about the power of it because the power comes from God. The gift comes from God. He chooses what I get, but I don't know what my gift is. Anybody else? Like clueless. Like, I'd really like to use this great power tool you've gave me, but I have no idea. Did, is it on order? What's going on? Where's how to, you know, I remember traveling, you know, what's my gift. I remember traveling to the Philippines in 1997 for the first time, first time being out of really American culture in a totally foreign culture for uh, you know, a period of a couple of weeks. And, and I remember how starkly different my, the team that I was with in, in, in was compared to the Filipinos we were around. I found out on that trip that I was an American, that we were Americans. We were louder Everybody was kind of quieter. We were more flamboyant and expressive and kind of more demonstrative. You know, some of you might be more reserved and all that stuff. No, you would definitely know you're an American in that other culture. And that's not necessarily a bad thing when we're all hanging out with Americans sometimes, you know, I know. Just give, just give me a little grace there, but I, <laughs> but I discovered who I was in a different context around other people, it's hard to discover who you are when you're by yourself. And when you're not around other spiritually gifted people, when you're around the world, and we tend to compare ourselves with natural gifts, not spiritual gifts. And we tend to drag those things into the church. And so therefore we tend to lift up the things that the world lifts up in the church and says, we see naturally gift in a natural gift in you. Therefore that equates to spiritual gift. Therefore you are, X, Y, and Z. That's a dangerous thing. Cause we're not the world. We're the church. Now, does it mean you can get up here and lead worship? If you cannot play guitar or sing or whatever it is, M- music is math. So there's some practical things that need to happen, right? We don't, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm struggling speaking right now. So maybe I'm defeating my own point, <laughs> but you get the idea. There's some practical things that, that happen, but the empowering that the Holy spirit uses is a totally different dynamic. And the way that one of the ways that we find out who we are is that God has placed you placed you in the context of other believers who are all gifted. And as you hang around them, you realize who you are and who you not are not based upon that context. It's really beautiful. You realize, man, that person is super gifted at X, Y, and Z. You just see it. Don't you? How many of you know of someone, maybe in your home fellowship, your small group, whatever it is, and you're going, You know what? They can't sing worth a lick, but they are encouraging. They just happen to know the right word to say to me when I'm down, they always are just coming to me at the right time or man, if I ever need help, I don't know what it is, but they just have such a joy in serving and helping. And I cannot believe that they just do that. That's how they are. Or when I don't understand something, man, they just know how to explain something in a way that I get it. And it glorifies God. And it's according to truth. And you're lifted up and edified. Anybody know anybody like that? And yet you're looking at yourself, son. I have no idea who I am. And someone else is looking at you going, man, they're always this and that and this, you don't know that about yourself. See the context of the body sometimes that the spirit is working. So naturally, supernaturally that we don't even know what's going on. And, and there's a danger in focusing on our own giftedness, but also there's a value in it. So we got to be careful of pride, but also, I think we need to be in relationship with one another to a degree, to the degree where we, we know how to bless into, and, and to learn what God has given us. Listen, God's given you gifts, not to sit there dormant, but to use them, to use them. And, and we're going to talk about that just a little bit more here. So he's given us a body and this is what he goes into next. Verse 11 says we have gifts and they're used for the common good. Well, what's my gift? And then he comes on and he says, verse 12, he says, for just as the body is one and has had many members, all the members and, and all the members of the body, though many are one body. So it is with Christ. So he switches from the spirit, he switches to the Lord. And he says, now I want you to view yourself in the context of a body, because this is how I want you to understand how you're to use your gifts. So now he's using this, this picture here. There's the body is one and yet it has many members. How many of you can relate with that with your own body? Yes. And I think we can relate to the degree that some parts of our body are not working. Anyone else? You know, some parts are sluggish. Why isn't my leg working today? You know, you get your back hurts, all that kind of stuff. So there's things that are blessings and things that are, are difficult to deal with. And so it is with Christ. It says being in Christ, being united with him in his death and his resurrection. You are now a part of a body. Isn't that cool? We are part of the body of the Christ, the universal body of Christ, but also the local body of Christ. And specifically, even this little flock, this little flock you're a part of, which is cool. And so verse 13, for in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews, Greeks, slaves or free. Where are you from? What's your background? Who you been? What's your ethnicity? Guess what? If you're in Christ, if you, for if you were in one spirit when you were baptized into the body of Christ, this is not talk about physical baptism, this is talk about being born again by Jesus by the spirit of God. same term we all drank from one spirit it 's the terminology of salvation. We were all part of the same thing when we all came to the Lord, we all became one for the body of Christ verse fourteen does not consist of one member but of many we are One body, many parts, and you are a part of that. So you became a part of the body of Christ. When you were born again, you became part of his church. It isn't just you. It's an us. And yet we are one. That's important to note. This is your identity. You are a member of the whole. This is your new team. This is your new family. This is your new identity. This is who you are. You are one of us. You are his, you are in Christ. Christ. It's important to know, but some might say, I don't belong. I don't feel like I belong in the body of Christ because this person who's really gifted of their, I I don't have that gift. How many of you felt like that at one time or another, you see someone as a gift and you go, gosh, man, I just don't measure up. And you look at them and you go, man, Look at, look at the position they have. And that's what it means to be a Christian. And I don't, I'm not a part of the body. I'm just, I don't even know my gift. I don't know where I am. I I have no idea Well, Paul addresses this verse 15. It's as if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body that would not make it any less part of the body. Verse 16 If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. Paul's reminding us of the same truth. Listen, the spirit chose who you are in the body of Christ. He made you specifically who you are according to his will. Don't turn around and say, because I'm something that I want to be. And and I'm not that therefore I'm not a part of this. no, That's not the way we need to think about this. Amen. And I've done anybody else guilty of that. Seeing someone else that God's really using, you're going, oh man, I'm just, and the enemy gets in there and goes, yeah, totally. You stink. You're not even a toe. You're like a bad toenail. You're a hangnail. You're a hangnail on the body of Christ. You just might as well get clipped off and go, you know, it's like, And I can imagine, you know, in the context here in first Corinthians is, is that the orator was the big deal in the Greek culture. If anybody knows history that knows about all those guys and Paul dealt with that on Mars Hill and and we read about that. And so the speaking gifts were coveted and that's the context here is speak is prophecy and tongues and all that kind of stuff. And so there was really that context going on. And so you can imagine someone who was not gifted in any of those areas was looking at that going, ah man, look at all these gifted talkers. I'm not a part of the body. Well, the truth is that the spirit didn't gift everybody as a speaker. And he did that on purpose. And he wants you to lean into that. He wants you to lean into the fact that you aren't this other gift, but you're actually what he created you to be. So there were people within the body of Christ in Corinth who did not feel a part of the body because their idea of who they should be in the body was focused on another gift or another gifted person within the body of Christ instead of the gift that the spirit had given them. We can all get caught in comparing ourselves with others. And we compare themselves with others instead of looking unto Jesus. And Paul says, "Hey, the Spirit has gifted you according to His will. Don't think that because you're not a hand or an eye or that you're not a part of the body, you're just as much as part of the body as is everyone else around here. You see, the Lord would have us lean into who He's gifted us to be, and not into someone else's gifting of what we are not. Can't you just let go?" one thing I love about being on the elder board is I get to lean into Fred. I get to lean into Marcus and their giftings. I don't have to be administrator, mastermind or engineer. I can be a musician weirdo, you know, and I can lean into these guys who've got it so much other gifting. And so, so too with the other giftings in the body that can be threatening at first. If you're looking at it, like I'm not this or I'm not that, but when you just let go and go, God has gifted them. And I just, for my benefit, isn't that great? And I'm gifted for their benefit, for your benefit. And there's this mutual blessing. We benefit from one another. We're blessed by them. You know, Uh, we're not them. And therein lies an opportunity for us to grow. If we spend our time coveting and trying to be someone we're not, and what God has not called us to do, you not only miss out, we all miss out because you're not being who God called you to be. Amen. How many of you would like walking around with a a foot that acts like you know an elbow? No how valuable how many of you have had like foot problems? I started plantar fasciitis I don't know how long ago, but it's like, what in the world is going on? <laughs> like you need to get going. Why in the morning do I wake up and feel like someone Shot my foot off. Didn't notice it until it didn't stop working. Yeah. Anyone else? Yeah. It's like, yeah, you got a lot of people like, amen on that one. <laughs> I like you go down the list and the older we get, the more we talk about it. Right. But uh, God made you gifted for our benefit. And it's important that you are who God's called you to be lean into it. Amen. But if the whole body were an eye, verse 17, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? How many of you love to hear? Not maybe not right now, but I mean, how many of you like to listen to the birds You're in the mountains or wherever it might be just things that are just good music or the sound of your family rustling in the background on, on holidays and things like that. You just sit there and go, man, life is good. How many of you love the smell of food? How many of you've had COVID and lost your sense of smell and you go, ah. Oh your taste precious things that God has given us each one serving a purpose for the benefit of the whole. And the idea here is, is totally being assaulted in our culture here. Roles are looked at as a scourge instead of being embraced and people are coveting what they are not. And our society suffers man. Man, Being a a man is awesome. And what I see of my wife, what I see of women, it's awesome. God has made you awesome. And he's made you not only awesome as a group, but he's made you awesome individually. Lean into it. You know what I'm saying? Lean into God's made you to be, embrace those roles. And in that you find joy. I know that's contrary. But guess what? I know this is newsflash, but I'm not a woman. Christine is not a man, but when we lean into who we are in Christ, we complement one another in ways that together we form the picture of made in his image, both male and female. That's why this whole thing is blasphemy. That's going on. It's a picture of Christ. That's different, but same within the body of Christ. Be who God's called you to be. Don't worry about being someone else. Lean into it. Verse 18. But as it is, God arranged the members of the body and each one of them as he chose. If we were all single members, where would the body be? We're not all an arm. We're not all a pastor. We're not all a whatever you want to call it. Or We're parts of the body. And yet there are many parts, yet one body, diversity, yet unity. And by the way, notice this again. This is a side note. Verse 5, it is God who empowers them all in every one. Verse 11, all these are empowered by the one and the same spirit who appointed each one. So God empowers and then the spirit empowers and verse 12, it's the body of Christ. Verse 18, it's God who arranges the members. The Lord is diverse and yet he's unified in what he's doing. Beautiful there. Now some people look at their gifts and they, and they don't the, the issue isn't, "Hey, it's not that I, I don't belong. It's I don't care for the other gifts. It's not, I don't belong to the body of Christ. It's that I don't need the body of Christ. And I think this is going on as well. We don't need one another. We might say we don't, but we, you know, I need you, but we don't. Verse 21. The I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again, the head to the feet. I have no need of you. Think about it in your normal terms of your body. Yes, I need my foot to be working. Anybody else? It helps if your brain is working. Brain fog is not fun. So, both of these issues display a dangerous ignorance of who God is and what He has made us to be in Him and how He has gifted us and positioned us in the body to serve according to His will. Bad theology makes bad orthodoxy orthopraxy. I mean, bad orthodoxy makes bad orthopraxy. If you don't understand who God is, if you don't, then you won't understand who you are. Then you won't understand what you're to do. That's why Paul teaches this way. He starts with who God is, who you are in him, and then what you are to do all over again and again and again. Hey, let's go play baseball. Well, what's a baseball? Just go play it. you know, you don't understand about rules. We don't understand about the field position, what the object is, what, what, what each position does. You see, we're a body and we all are supposed to be orchestrated together for God's glory. It's important. We know who the head is. It's him. And what our part in all of that is. Amen. And, and how we work together to accomplish his will. So there's to me, no, be, no, I don't belong. There's to be no, they're not needed. Self-pity and self-centeredness both have the root of self and self leads to self-destruction and the destruction of others. So let's finish this up. Paul says in verse 22, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Is that how we truly view as a culture people who are behind the scenes? Or is it just the people who get FaceTime who are viewed as, Indispensable. Ask yourself like personally. You know, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And, and those parts of the body that seem to be the, sorry, and those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater on and, and on the unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty which are more presentable parts don't require. And he's just using the parts of the body and clothing and how we do things. You get the idea. We tend to clothe and protect and care for the less visible parts of our body. Right. And, and they're indispensable. They receive great honor, greater modesty than the parts that everyone sees. That's the idea of the body it's not just the visible people who get cared for. It's the people who are unseen that need to be loved and cared for as well. Even the least among us. Make sense. So that's the picture there. There's, there's more to it and you could break it apart and stuff, but that's the deal. That's the deal there. And while the more visible parts of the body may seem to be more, be, be seen more. This doesn't mean that the unseen parts are to be disregarded, but rather honored and treated with the same care as the visible parts. Look at verse 24 the second half of it. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body. There may be unity, but that the members may have the same care for one another. we have the same care for one another, no matter what position that is. Verse 26. If one member suffers, what happens? all suffer together. If one member is honored, what happens? All rejoice together. This is the beauty of being part of the body of Christ. We're all individuals. And yet we're one. And when one suffers, we all suffer. When one is honored, we're, we all rejoice. You know, as, as Erica shared, you, you honored me on the pris you know, at the pre Christmas Eve service, you, you know, and Fred shared kind words from his heart. And you know, and I'm standing up here and I, and you have to know that when one is honored, we all rejoice. This is not a solo deal. I am nothing to be honored apart from first of all, the headship of Christ. Amen. But from Christine and from John and Ruth and from the elders and from each one of you prays for me and supports me and, loves me and bears with me. It's concerned for me who encourages me, who helps me, who gets on me, who exercises your spiritual gifts towards me, where I have no gifting whatsoever, where you see my lack and you fill in the gap. You see, like you honored me, but the honor is to you. It's a reflection of you. It's a reflection of him. So all glory to God and and bless you. You see, we're one in this and in Christ is head and he is glorified when we love one another, when we esteem one another, when we honor one another, when one is honored, all rejoice together. When one of us suffers, how many of you've suffered? We all suffer. Why? Because we're connected. We're a body. When we see part of our body hurting, the body rallies to the hurt. That's what should happen, Right? And that Lord help us like a body with part of a body that's broken or bruised. We all feel to that to a certain degree and we rally to the wound. We love them as if we would love ourselves because they are part of us. You know, so when one suffers, we all suffer. When one is honored, we all rejoice. And, and this is one of the keys to discovering how to grow in your gift. And let me just kind of close this out with this. Just think about this. The opportunity to rejoice with those around you. We can take, we can be defensive about that. When we see someone getting honor. we go, you know, why don't I have that sometimes? Some of us have that in our hearts. Let's sin. Amen. Instead, we got to learn to rejoice because what's happening is that's part of your, your, your body that just got blessed. And when they're blessed, guess who's blessed right back at me. I want you to do well. I want you to be awesome this year. I want you to be what God has created you to be, to step out in, in, into it and be empowered by his spirit and walk in truth and victory and love and all those things in the midst of all the crud going on. And when you are blessed and you are honored, I'm blessed and I'm honored. Amen. And we are, and when you're hurting, I'm hurting, we're hurting. This is one of the keys to discovering who you are is, When you see someone hurting, guess what? God will prompt you in your spirit to use your gifts, to go rally to that person. This is part of how you discover what your gift is. If I were to, you know, sit here and and all of a sudden start hurting, how many of you would start doing different things? Some of you are going to jump up here and start helping me because you're like, okay, this person needs help and I'm a helper. I'm going to go help. And I'm going to start, someone's get on the phone. Someone's going to do what, you know, so I'm already preparing you for this moment. Okay. So just <laughs> <laughs> some of you are going to sit back and just go, I'm praying. I'm praying. Some of you are going to walk over next to Christine or whatever. My, you know what I'm just saying? The spiritual gifts come alive, who God has created you to be starts to happen. Some of you go, I don't know what to do, but through that experience, you begin to ask your questions and you go to the Lord and he begins to show you what that is. So, in in moments of suffering, we have an opportunity to really just lean into the Lord and let him use us. Some of you might be doing a serving gift or a teaching gift, you know, a a mouth, a a spoken gift or a a hands-on practical gift or behind the scenes, making food, whatever it is that God has called you and gifted you to do lean into it, develop it, grow in it, own it, share it, give it away. Don't hold it for yourself. It's not yours to hold. It's yours to give. He made you for that moment. And in that you are going to find joy and you are going to grow and you're not going to do it perfectly. I mean, I do this week after week, imperfectly, unperfectly with grammar. That's all over the place. You know it. Amen. (laughs) But yet you just get up there and do it. You just go and do it behind the scenes, move out in faith and let God grow you as you go. And what happens is the body sees you grow and we all get encouraged. How many of you see a family member grow in maturity and you're like, yes, we're all blessed because of it. Amen. So look for that Same for you, right? As God shows you more about yourself, as you rejoice and weep with the body, these placed you in. And because of time, I want to stop here. We have communion this morning, but before we do, I think it's appropriate to point out that really we've been blessed this past year, um, by the Lord, with some outstanding members of the body, gosh, <laughs> brothers and sisters who aren't on the stage, you know some of them are, but yet aren't. They're, you're indispensable. You are. You deserve great honor. You're loved, and you are cared for. Yeah, and like the parts of the body that are hardly ever seen, your vital organs. You're the heart. You're the lungs. Without you, we're in big trouble. Never seen hidden behind clothing in a rib cage. And yet there you go. Just beating day after day, Sunday after Sunday, behind the scenes, loving people. And and I know none of these people want to be seen or appreciated possibly because they never, they never do. But guess what? When one, is honored. We all rejoice. Tough luck. We just are blessed by you. Thank you so much. And by the way, these names are, this is not the full deal. So many behind the scenes, but Mark's not here this morning. Mark Zitterkoff and every, this place looks awesome around the facility because he's always working behind the scenes. Never wants to be known about what he does. So Mark, you're awesome. We love you. Carol Everett working in the finances, the women's ministry, helping arrange and organize things and helping on the, the fit team, the financial integrity team, Andrew and Vicki, constantly leading worship year after year, blessing us with your gift. Thank you. John and Ruth, my kids love you guys. It's been great to see you bless us with your gifts and Sherry. Thank you for stepping up in the AV booth and and to help organize that and to arrange things to a certain degree. You are a blessing. Thank you. Alex, man, you do so much. Thank you for, look, he's back there right now. He's slaving away. He's going to hide behind the computer. Helps with snow removal. Not only that, it's helped behind the scenes along with his dad, Eric, with building stuff that we're working on. Just tremendous help. Clayton, man, love you, bud. This God is doing so this is behind the scenes, always helping out, helping out with men's retreats, helping out with, he's just always wanting to serve. Thank you. Alicia, she's in the, she's in the kids right now, arranging, uh, working with our little ones, loving on them. And it's been hard for her trying to get people to help. And yet she's just been so consistent. Bless her. Go say, Hey, I want to help you this year. I want to, I want to expand my gifts. I'm done being selfish. I want to give myself away. Anybody else? I know I'm a manipulating you, but Hey, <laughs> we're like, we have, we have a foot, but we're missing toes. So, um, Alicia, uh, Alicia, Scott, he's not here this morning. Scott's just a isn't that guy? Awesome. Doug. I know you don't want honor, but he's a fellow charger fan. So man, we love you, bro. I'm just kidding. That's not the reason why. Just serving with the ushers, Joe Zitterkoff, I know he like doesn't deserve like praise or something, you know. Like, I know you just like leave me alone kind of a thing. But he's always doing stuff behind the scenes, man. Always here breaking down something, doing something, and helping out. He's just I love that guy. Listen, I haven't named all of you. That doesn't mean you aren't precious to us. But these are just some of the names that came to mind. I mean, Marcus and Fred, we need to throw a party for you guys. Love you so much, just what you give. Kay all the greeters and ushers and AV people and worship team members, the children's ministry and the helpers. I mean, just the body working together. This is just Sunday stuff. But I mean, think about what happens throughout the week, the life group leaders and the love that's poured out and the care of it. it's just, no one knows what's going on and who gets the glory. Oh Lord Jesus. Thank you Lord for this body. Amen. All glory to him. Well, how precious he's put us in a group of believers together where we can love one another and care for one another. We love you so much. And we're blessed by your love for the Lord and the service that you've shown to him and to us this year. So thank you. Amen. Yeah. In that spirit, it's fitting for the first Sunday of the year, the first month, which means we celebrate communion. It's a beautiful picture of what we've just been talking about. You know, right before this chapter, chapter 12 and chapter 11, verses 23 through 26, Paul said this, he was trying to correct something else that was going wrong. But he said, for I received from the Lord, what I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. and When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He took the bread, which was his body, and he broke it and he gave it. Do this in remembrance of me. He broke himself and he gave himself away that others would be blessed and live. He did the same thing with the cup. In the same way, he also took the cup. Verse 25, after supper, saying this. This cup is the new covenant. My blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. One loaf, many pieces. We all partake of the same one cup. We all drink. We all partake of the same. We're unified in him. We are one body because of the work he did on the cross. He died, bled out, rose again to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us, And to give us his life, eternal life and not just to give us eternal life. So we go play a harp in heaven, but that life starts now. And he sent his spirit and poured it out on his church. And you as a believer are gifted right now. He has given you gifts. Why? Take them, break them, give them out. Amen. The bread is a reminder that he broke himself and gave himself the blessing of his disciples and us. Same with the cup without the shedding of blood. There is no forgiveness of sins. And so as we come to the table, you know, as we close out the service, remember we are one with him and we are one with another through what he has done. Amen. Rejoice in it. Enjoy the love lean into who God's made you to be and how he's blessed you individually and and together. And may he have just all the glory this year. Amen. Father, we love you. We commit our time to you, Lord. We've committed our hearts to you. Your word is precious to us by your precious spirit. Reveal to us those gifts you've given us and help us to lean in by faith that we might give away what you've given just as you've done for us. And so, Lord, we we remember you now and we want to proclaim your death until we see you face to face. We want to identify with your death until we see you face to face. And so may we lose our lives that you might live and that, that we might live in the name of Jesus. Amen.